Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, popular Christian apologist John Ankerberg has been under scrutiny after a former fundraiser for the organization filed a whistleblower complaint and shared it with both the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability and Ministry Watch. Now, Ankerberg has sued the whistleblower. We'll have details. And Hillsong's Brian Houston has pled guilty to DUI charges following a 2022 incident in California. And later in the program, we'll have the latest from the King's College. This Christian liberal arts college in New York City has been on the verge of closure, but dramatic developments this week are giving supporters of the school a reason to hope. We begin today with televangelist Perry Stone. A grand jury in Tennessee has ruled that an FBI investigation into sexual misconduct claims has not produced enough evidence to charge him with crimes. District Attorney Stephen Crump in Bradley County, Tennessee, said that despite the ruling, he would keep the case file open in case new information becomes available. The FBI began investigating Stone in 2021 after four women said they were victims of sexual misconduct by Stone. The district attorney presented investigation findings to the grand jury in March. The decision has raised eyebrows in a rural community in East Tennessee. Yeah, since 2018, Perry Stone's ministry, Voice of Evangelism, has given the Bradley County Sheriff's Office more than $36,000 for the purchase of body cameras and in-car cameras. In addition, the Chattanooga Times said that Stone and his ministries regularly hire several off-duty sheriff's officers to provide security for events. Perry Stone did not respond to requests from Ministry Watch for comments about this possible conflict of interest, at least has it so far. Hillsong Church co-founder Brian Houston has been sentenced to three years of probation after pleading guilty to driving under the influence of alcohol. Houston was arrested in February of last year in Newport Beach, California, a wealthy suburb just south of Los Angeles, and charged with two separate counts of driving under the influence of alcohol and driving with a blood alcohol content of 0.08% or more. Now, there was a second uh, charge as well uh, under which he was re- reportedly recorded as having a blood alcohol content of 0.2%, more than twice the legal limit. Uh, That has been stayed, that charge has been stayed until he completes his appeal process. Houston must pay $140 in fines and will be required to complete an alcohol treatment program, enroll in victim impact counseling, and attend self-help meetings. Houston is a New Zealand native. I'm sure many of our listeners know by now, Natasha. He founded Hillsong Church with his wife, Bobby, in the suburbs of Sydney, Australia in 1983. The church now has about 30 locations around the world with an average attendance of about 150,000 every week. Hillsong's music program also generates popular worship songs used in evangelical churches around the world 
that's generated millions of dollars in royalties for the church and its leaders. From Fort Worth, Texas, comes news of the resolution of a six-year-old lawsuit involving former Southern Baptist leader Paige Patterson. That's right. Though the lawsuit that Paige Patterson has been involved with will go on, he has been removed from the lawsuit. Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth and its former president, Paige Patterson, agreed to settle a case brought by a man named Gerald Rollins for concealment of sexual abuse. The settlement terms were not disclosed. Uh, The case will still proceed, though, as I said, as fellow defendants Paul Pressler, the Southern Baptist Convention, and First Baptist Church of Houston remain on the lawsuit. The trial is set to begin in May in Harris County, Texas, where Houston is located. The $1 million lawsuit was filed in October of 2017 by Rollins, who claims he was sexually abused by Pressler for decades until 2014. Pressler has denied the allegations. The suit claimed that Southwestern Seminary and Patterson were liable due to their professional, personal, or denominational connections with Pressler and their part in concealing his wrongdoing. Rollins previously sued Pressler for assault based on a 2003 altercation in a Dallas hotel room. That case was settled with Pressler agreeing to pay $1,500 a month to Rollins for the next 25 years. Warren, let's look at one more story before we take a break. And it's the latest in a series of stories we've done about Christian apologist John Ankerberg. The Ankerberg Theological Research Institute, or ATRI, has sued its former director of donor relations, Andrew Yeager. The complaint alleges that Yeager breached his separation agreement by failing to return a list of names and contact information of donors, and subsequently contacting those donors and encouraging them to demand their donations back from ATRI and to otherwise terminate their relationship with ATRI. The suit was filed on April 20th. A Hamilton County, Tennessee judge also issued a temporary restraining order against Yeager, restraining him from using or disclosing to any party except his legal counsel any of ATRI's property. The lawsuit follows a whistleblower complaint made by Yeager uh, in September of last year. Yeager alleges that ATRI used funds designated by donors for audio Bibles to pay for other things, including private jets from the uh, air charter service NetJets. Now, over a 10-year period, donors gave Ankerberg's organization about $20 million for audio Bibles. John and Darlene Ankerberg told Ministry Watch that about 20% of those funds, or about $4 million, actually paid for audio Bibles. The Ankerberg said that the rest of the money uh, paid for the production of the program, the purchase of airtime so that the program could uh, be seen, and other activities related to running the organization. 
But Jaeger said that between March and November of 2021, Ankerberg's organization used the charter service NetJets to make at least nine flights for ministry and personal purposes. Jaeger said he was on at least a half a dozen of those trips himself. Jaeger estimated in his whistleblower complaint that over an 18-month period beginning in late 2020, the cost of these flights is approaching $1 million. Jaeger said that this is a substantive and material expense that should be disclosed to major donors. The Ankerbergs deny spending a million dollars on private jets, but they admitted in an interview with me that they did spend about a half a million dollars. Now, Ministry Watch has heard from at least two donors who claim that they did not understand that the Ankerbergs was, were going to keep most of the money that they had contributed for audio Bibles and they've asked for their money back. Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, we'll have news of yet more churches breaking away from the United Methodist Church. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hello everyone, I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Well, next up is the story we promised before the break. 55 churches have left the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. The Florida Conference of the UMC has approved the conditional disaffiliation of the 55 churches over human sexuality issues, including same-sex marriage and the potential ordination of pastors who identify as LGBTQ. The vote took place at a virtual special session on April 22nd, with 93% of delegates voting in favor of the action, only 7% voted against. The 55 churches were considered as a single slate. The churches will take with them nearly 30,000 members, or 15% of the total membership of the Florida Annual Conference. The conference placed a value of the assets in the departing churches at $35.8 million, plus real estate valued at $306.4 million. The organization said the churches will be able to keep those assets, again, over $300 million, which would normally revert to the conference if they meet certain financial obligations, including the payment of apportionments for 2023 and 2024. The uh, departures are effective on June 1st if 
all the requirements are met. Our next story is one we mentioned at the top of the program about New York City's The King's College. The King's College, which has been much in the news lately as a result of financial and governance problems, announced that it mutually and amicably agreed to end its collaboration with Primacorp Ventures Incorporated. Primacorp Ventures is a for-profit corporation led by controversial entrepreneur Peter Chung. Henry Moriello, who is the chairman of the board of the King's College, made the announcement late on Friday of last week, April 21st. The statement said that Stockwell Day would continue in his role as interim president to assist with transition matters, but other board members with ties to Prima Court have resigned. And they will be replaced with people who have strong ties to the King's College. Many observers believe that terminating the relationship with Primacorp and adding board members with King's College ties was vital to restoring donor trust. Uh, the King's College is unique in the world of Christian higher education in that, it has, in that it has attempted to provide an academically rigorous and distinctively Christian education in the heart of New York City, a city known both for its cultural influence but also for its high cost of doing business. The realities of doing business in New York meant that the college had often uh, faced financial struggles. It has. In fact, those struggles went public in February of this year when King's announced it was experiencing a funding shortfall of approximately $2.6 million for the spring semester. Warren, let's look at one more story before we take a break. What do you have? The executive pastor of Journey Church in Barrington, New Hampshire, has pleaded guilty to using the church's debit and credit cards to make unauthorized purchases. He'll be sentenced in federal court in July. Now, from January of 2017 to March of 2020, more than three years, uh, Gregory Neal used church funds to pay off his gambling debts, and to purchase items for his own benefit. They totaled about $130,000. A single act of wire fraud is punishable with fines up to 20 years in prison. Journey Church lead pastor Rob Willis told Ministry Watch that the fraudulent activity took place while he and the church were in a vulnerable state. That's right. Willis explained to Ministry Watch that the crime took place when his wife was dying of cancer. And in the final year of her illness, this former employee began taking advantage of what he called a desperate situation, abusing the oversight that had been given to him, making unauthorized ATM withdrawals and credit card purchases, falsifying reports to our financial officers, and systematically dismantling accountability structures that would have prevented his malpractice. Willis said that Neil had been one of his closest friends, but Neil used his position and his relationship to take advantage of him and the church. Other church leaders were reluctant to question matters because of Neil's friendship with Willis. 
That's right. But when Willis discovered the theft, he fired Neil and reported it to local law enforcement. The church did an internal audit and then hired an outside accounting firm to conduct uh, an audit and recommend preventative policies and procedures for matters such as county contributions, bank deposits, and booking. And by the way, Natasha, one of the reasons that um, Willis is willing to kind of go public with this story, which in some ways could be embarrassing to him personally, is that uh, he he wants to make sure that other churches don't have to go through what he and his church have gone through. Well, Warren, we're going to take another quick break when we return our lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. everyone, I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, we like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Well, Ministry Watch has released uh, our latest story related to our quarterly survey of ministry executives. We survey the CEOs of the thousand largest ministries in the United States. And what we found in the most recent survey is that ministry leaders remain optimistic about revenue growth throughout the year. Uh, in our latest survey done earlier this month, about 65.5% of the CEOs to the survey indicated that they expect their revenue to increase in the coming year. Now, that's down slightly from our January survey in which 71% of respondents were expecting to see a revenue increase. Of the ministry leaders expecting to see a revenue increase, the largest portion, almost 45%, said that they expect revenue to go up between 1% and 10%. However, about 20% of the CEOs said that they believe revenue will increase by more than 10% in the 12 months ahead. And we have new data from the Internal Revenue Service regarding nonprofits. We do. Each year, the IRS releases its data book, which is a massive collection of uh, filing data, compliance activities, and other statistics uh, covering the entire nation's tax base. But we were, of course, most focused on the nonprofit version of that. And here are a couple of key findings. There are now just under 2 million nonprofit organizations in this country, about 1.98 million to be precise. About a million and a half of them, or two-thirds, 
are classified as religious or charitable organizations. Uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, many of the tax-exempt organizations are from the most populous states. So, for example, California has nearly 140,000 nonprofit organizations. That's the most populous state, of course, with about 30 million people. Texas has nearly 100,000, as does uh, New York. Florida is a close fourth. It has about 80,000 nonprofit organizations. Now, for better or for worse, compliance examinations of tax-exempt organizations are rare. And by that, I mean audits done of tax-exempt organizations. There were less than 10,000 nonprofits audited last year. And again, there are 2 million total. So that's only about one half of 1% of all of the organizations. And who did Christina Darnell feature in Ministries Making a Difference? Well, she actually had a fairly robust column this week, but I'm going to just focus on a couple of the organizations that she mentioned with a, a you know, a, a good word to go read Christina's column and I get a whole lot more. Students from Gordon College in Massachusetts spent their spring break fixing up classrooms and a garage at Chestnut Mountain Ranch in West Virginia, so a good service project there. And Brentwood Hills Church of Christ in Nashville, Tennessee, has offered the use of its building to the Covenant School. Now, you might remember that the Covenant School is where there was a mass shooting uh, just a few weeks ago. The building offered by Brentwood Hills Church of Christ is only about five miles from Covenant's campus, and it will allow the school's 200 students and about 40 staff to finish up this school year uh, so that they don't have to go back into that campus until all of the police work and other work has been done there. Now, uh, Brentwood Hills has about 1,200 members in its congregation, and it's rapidly working to convert Bible classrooms to school classrooms. And then, of course, after the school year is over, back again. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, just a couple. I want to thank those of you who attended our Ask Me Anything webinar yesterday. We had about 60 people uh, on that webinar, and we got more questions that I could get to. So we will definitely be doing uh, that webinar again. And I also want to mention that June will mark the 25th anniversary of Ministry Watch. We were founded by Rusty and Carol Leonard in June of 1998. Carol is still on our board, in fact. We plan to have both Rusty and Carol on the podcast in early June uh, to talk about those early days of Ministry Watch and how we've changed over the years. So I hope you'll keep an eye out for that and and also to continue to pray for Ministry Watch that uh, we would remain faithful as we approach this important 25th anniversary milestone in the life of our ministry. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Sedith. Writers who contributed to today's program include Shannon Cuthrell, Steve Raby, Kim Roberts, Ann Stike, Jessica Edralde, and you, Warren. You've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.